0: Welcome ironradio.org listeners, this is Lonnie Lowry. I'm a licensed nutritionist and a doctor level exercise physiologist and I'm a bodybuilder. Wow, new
1: intro for old Lonnie. I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's Rob Fortney, Fortress Fortney, I'm a former editor at MuscleMag International, former competitive bodybuilder and now competitive powerlifter, strength enthusiast.
2: And this is Phil Stevens. I'm a strength athlete in powerlifting and highland games. I'm the founder of liftforhope.org, a charitable strength organization, and strengthguild.com. Um, before we get to our guest, I wanted to see if Lonnie or Rob either had any news for today.
0: Oh, actually, uh, I did have a, a few. Um, Didn't we have some letters? Yeah, you know what? Yeah, I'm. Gonna, as I open my email, I'm just going to... I'm going to uh, cover for myself and talk about something I also saw this morning. I just thought this was sort of interesting. I got tapped into the whole Google Plus thing, that new Google social network. Um, It's like in a beta stage, as if I need another one of those to keep track of, of course. But um, Yeah, and there was in the physiology news section that I was subscribing to, it was actually saying coffee uh, decreases a woman's chance of getting pregnant. I just thought it was interesting. Apparently, some of the musculature involved in moving you know uh, sperm and egg together um, is somehow inhibited by coffee or something like that so I could just see sort of some of the bad jokes getting flying around with that but anyway um, so yeah but we got I had one thing one email blurb from um, one of our regular contributors John Mike uh, and and basically what it was i think he got it from science daily uh and i do appreciate when some of these guys send us uh stuff like this but it was uh, apparently they have identified a gene that's um a limiter of muscular endurance and i thought that was pretty interesting stuff um uh, uh, this uh, uh, apparently like uh for example it's 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 a negative regulator so people who have this gene um would be poorer at endurance-type sports, uh, and they were actually showing that not only is this true in like gene knockout models, like if you if you knock this gene out of a mouse, um, it has like six times the endurance ability. It's sort of amazing. Um, and then they actually related it to top-level athletes too. That apparently really high-level endurance athletes um, lack, you know, the extent of this gene. And then the power athletes may have more of it. So I thought it was kind of interesting that there's a apparently a gene that determines or at least strongly influences your uh, you know endurance ability. So I know a lot of people that listen to Iron Radio don't really care about endurance, but it's kind of neat to think that we might have more of this gene, you know this this endurance sapping gene, and maybe that's why we gravitate toward you know power sports.
2: Is that that same one that they were doing the tests on started about two years ago? I think at home you take it. You send a swab in, and they tell you if you have. Basically, there's three markers. If you have one marker, um, you should be more towards the strength end. If you have three markers, you're towards the endurance end. If you have two, you're kind of in between.
0: It, it those may be other genes. I don't know. This is oh here it is. Science Daily, July eighteenth, twenty eleven. Uh, researchers at the University of Pennsylvania have identified a gene for endurance, or more precisely, a negative regulator of it. Not having the gene relates to greater endurance in knockout mice that were studied. Uh And it says, the investigators also showed the gene is linked to Olympic-level athletes in endurance sports, such as swimming, compared with athletes in sprint sports, like the 100-meter dash. So, yes, yeah, six times longer, though, uh the mice could run, you know, who had less of this gene influence. So it, it's just amazing to me. You know what? And this is like a lot of behavioral or cognitive function kinds of things. It's, it's simply that they're identifying the genes for it now. But a lot of this co- goes back to, you know, family history. You, we, we've talked about good or bad genetics for different things in bodybuilding for ages, you know. And I think that's kind of the same thing. You'll hear some people come on the show and they'll say single nucleotide polymorphisms or something like that. It's like, fine, I have brown eyes and you have blue or whatever. But, you know, this is sort of just it's. It's, again, it's back to that old genetic thing. Here it is. It's the interleukin-15 receptor alpha is apparently the the, uh, the protein that's produced by this gene, and it, sh- it shifts how energy is used in fast muscles. So kind of neat. Anyway, so that's my news blurb.
2: Um, I don't know. I can mention this, I guess. Um, door-to-door organics. I, I got contacted from them, and they're, they're actually coming to my hometown. Uh, pretty interesting concept. Um, every week, you get a box into your house of, Organic, certified organic produce and, uh, vegetables. But, um, I don't know. I figured it's worth a shot. So I'm going to give them a shot next week and, and see what it's all about. I'll let you guys know.
1: Yeah. Tell cool. them if they can bring me some <laughs> Slim <laughs> Jims. I'm in. Slim Jims to your door.
2: Organic door to door Slim Jims. Yeah, man. Organic. Nice. Get into nice. it. Anyways, so, so yeah, we'll move on. Uh, our guest today, we have, we have Tamara Cohen. Tamara, thanks for joining us.
3: Thanks for having me.
2: Um, to give everybody kind of a rundown, Tamara is the owner of the recently opened Asheville Strength and Conditioning. She is, um, got a whole myriad of, of things going on here. Starting strength coach, USAW level one coach, USAW local referee, a USA track and field level one, um, taking the Pinlay and Wilkes Olympic lifting seminars, CrossFit level one, CrossFit gymnastics cert, and just, um, you know, coming from a background that doesn't have a degree and she just Kind of goes out and aims to learn from as as many people as she can. Um, Tamra's also a 35 year old mother too, has a background from from jazzercise to spin, and uh, currently in Olympic weightlifting. So um, that's kind of the rundown. But again, thanks for doing this. Thank you. Um, let's let's get started here. At you know you said you made your comeback probably into or maybe really the beginning into the strength training in 2009. you want to talk about that and, and how you got started?
3: Yeah, I had actually never touched a barbell. Um, I think maybe once or twice when I was in college, I benched the empty bar with my soon-to-be husband when we were at the gym. Um, but I grew up playing soccer. Um, my whole family is big into soccer, so I was playing soccer by the time I was five and uh, played on boys' teams, co-ed teams. I was Olympic development, um, state select, and, you know, 18 years ago, there really wasn't any talk of strength training for women's soccer, at least not at the high school level. Um, so other than going to the gym and doing some machines, I had no barbell training experience whatsoever. Um, and I got married. I had two kids. I stayed home with both of them and just worked part-time here and there. And I also uh, breastfed both of them for a total of four years and nine months, and they never took a bottle. So I didn't leave the house a whole lot without them. And I basically... Didn't exercise at all during that period of time. Uh, when I was pregnant with my daughter, I exercised every day, um, and then after she was born, it went downhill. And in the spring of two thousand nine, we had moved to Asheville, North Carolina. We didn't have any family here, and I found myself weighing about one hundred and seventy five pounds, which was much more than I'd ever weighed in my life. And one of my close friends who known me since junior high said, if you get back to the gym, you're going to be much happier. You've always been an athlete, and the biggest thing that you're missing now is like, you're a mom, and you're not an athlete anymore. So just go back to the gym, start doing something, and the one thing he suggested was, take a picture of yourself today, in your underwear. You don't ever, ever have to show anyone this picture, but just take that picture, because that's how you're going to see that you make progress. I'm still not sure why I ever decided to do that, um, but that's what I did. I took a picture. That was in April of 2009. Um, I started off running. I hurt my knees, and then I found a trainer at the local YMCA, and he's really the one that got me started, um, you know, doing some free weight stuff, which was mainly dumbbells, and then what he later told me was, like, CrossFit-type workouts, and... Basically, by June of 2009, I was working out at a CrossFit affiliate, and that was really my introduction to strength training right there.
2: And then, you know, from there, you've kind of went on, and, um, and now you're, you're aiming yourself more towards the strength end. Uh, yeah.
3: Definitely. Um, I I will say I was, I think, what people would consider the typical CrossFit Metcon junkie. Um, I ended up going from 175 pounds down to under 135 pounds. Um, I've taken pictures the entire way, so I'm really glad that I have that first picture to see. But, you know, I was decently fast, and I had some good body weight and gymnastic skills, but I always liked barbells the best, and after sectionals and regionals for CrossFit in 2010, I realized the biggest thing holding me back was really strength, and I had a shoulder injury, and that basically left me three or four months where I was deadlifting and squatting, and when my shoulder was finally healed, all of a sudden, everything else was so much easier because I'd put about 50 pounds on my deadlift and 50 pounds on my squat. And I thought, wow, this is cool. This is all I want to do. I don't really care about running or doing muscle ups ever again. I just, you know. Um, so yeah, I started working out with uh, an Olympic weightlifting coach in basically September of 2010, and that's been my focus ever since then. So I've, you know, really, I've done you know, a handful of meets. I just finished uh, the Masters Pan Ams and now I have a USAW club and I have four or five cool. lifters who are going to do their first meet next weekend. So we're really excited
0: about that. That's a very cool. You know, I think it's interesting that you said that you, uh, you hurt yourself running and now you're lifting and, you know, it's sort of a different story. Just a couple of weeks ago, I tried to go out and do sprints outdoors and I hurt my feet. My feet are like, what are you doing? It's, it's, it's funny because, you know, I can squat heavy or I, I'm starting to deadlift heavier now. No problem. But I go out and I try to run. My body's like, I don't know. I don't know what that is. Don't do that to me again.
2: Oh, it's, you know? uh, it's amazing. The same thing. I, I had my next meeting with my surgeon on, on Monday about my hip. And uh, in the end, he's like, well, you know, you can keep lifting. He said, the thing is, he said, just don't do anything stupid like take up running or jogging. And I was like, great.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, playing playing soccer, I grew up with knee after knee after knee after ankle after ankle after ankle injury. I was always injured. And as soon as I went back to running, I was not three weeks into it. I was just going to train for a 5K. You know, running's free. Why wouldn't, you know, it's an easy way to get back into exercise. And, of course, you know, there I was 30 or 40 pounds overweight. Um and starting back to running after not running for four years and I had telethemal syndrome, I couldn't walk up the steps of my house.
0: And yeah. um you know, that's honestly a good point.
3: since I cleared up I've I mean I've never had a knee issue with weight training. You know, yeah. I've I've tweaked things here and there, but I've never had knee pain from squatting, from anything.
0: I think there's something to it when weight lifters uh go out and try to run mm-hmm. that our body weights are heavier yeah. I mean whether, whether you're heavy for whatever body composition reason you know I think people need to realize that yeah when you hey I'm going to go take up running again like I used to and you know when I graduated high school at 155 pounds that was more than 50 pounds ago yeah. you know what I mean yeah. so when I go try to do that same stuff now I, it's, it's, you know, I, I, sometimes I forget, you know, I should know better as an exercise physiologist that, you know, three times your body weight comes down on your knees, for example, with each step, that's when you're walking. So imagine when I go out and sprint, you know, and I know Rob did some stints with sprinting around the block and trying to do some general physical conditioning as well. Uh, It's hard, man, you know, because you're, you are heavier
1: anyway. It takes time to, yeah, I, I always, even as recently as a couple months ago, I went out to run I'm over 290 now, and, um, How you that know, work? it was weird because I, I had reta- – I, I could tell – like, what would you say?
0: <laughs> I said, it, so how'd that, work, how'd that work for you, 290? <laughs>
1: well, no it, it, no, it was interesting because I didn't even notice it cardiovascular-wise or, like, in my back or knees or anything. The only thing I notice is to, is down on my ankles, you know, Um Predominantly, so
2: you were setting off seismographs in the government facilities. <laughs> <laughs>
1: when I say run, it was, it was more of a light jog. It was <laughs> I,
2: I, I wasn't exactly keeping up with
1: true run,
2: So you just had a few meets. What do, what do you have coming up athletically, then, Tamara?
3: Um, I actually am not sure when my next meet will be. I will probably do the American Masters. Um, I qualified for Master's Worlds. It's in Cyprus, and that's a really far trip, and I have a business to run now. so that didn't seem like the best decision for me to do. Um, We do have the North Carolina Weightlifting Championships coming up. I will make a plug for that. It's September 10th and 11th in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, and we're going to have over 100 lifters there. I will probably wait until closer to that time to decide whether or not I'm going to compete because I'd love to have more than 10 lifters lifting for my club there. Um, That's why I wanted some people to do this meet next weekend because, their first-time lifters, and it's going to be a small meet that's targeted towards first-time lifters, and I thought it was better to get them out there on the platform before they head into a meet that's going to have a 100 people over two days. Um, just knowing the stress of my first meet to, like, not have that be their first meet was my goal. Um, so I'll probably wait and decide and see if I'm going to do that one. Um, but if not, I'm sure I'll do a meet in November, whether a local meet or American Masters or both, Um, But, yeah, definitely I would tell anyone who wants to come see the great state of North Carolina, September 10th and 11th in Winston-Salem is the North Carolina Weightlifting Championship. And even if I don't lift, um, for anyone who follows CrossFit and knows who Allison Bishop is, Allison NYC, I have convinced her the two of us will be running a dunk tank in our bikinis um, to raise money for our weightlifting club and people will want to dunk me because I'm obnoxious, and people <laughs> will want to dunk her because they will just want to see her in her bikini. So, um, yes, she will she will lift and be dunked, and I may lift and be dunked. But either way, we'll be with a dunk tank and our bikinis.
2: You can't beat that. Weightlifting and bikinis
3: and dunk tanks. Um, and there will be beer there also. Beer is also the the good part of it. So we plan to go oh, no, i this time.
0: I thought that was just a Highland Games thing with all the beer. I
2: I oh, this is new.
3: This, I've never <laughs> well,
0: been to a weightlifting meet. And I'm going to be there in my
1: Speedo. So.
3: Part of part of my goal, and this is something that my coach, Pete Haas, has really pushed, is getting these local meets going because the problem with weightlifting is who wants to practice and then not actually compete? There just aren't enough local meets happening places and people have to travel so he put on a local meet in February in Winston that had over 50 lifters. Uh, we just had one in Durham in May that had about 30 lifters. And now we have this one, and we'll do at least one or two more um, before the end of the year. Yeah. And it's all about showing people a good time. Spectators are free. Come. We've got beer. There will be food and concessions. But, you know... That's what other sports do that are successful. I, was say, I you know? <laughs> think that's a smart
2: idea.
0: Good point. I
2: honestly think it's the best idea in the world. I mean, I went to the American Open um, uh, two years ago, and it was sad. Um, you know, it, essentially the best lifters of the Americas, and there was a couple friends and family members in the crowd. Oh. You know, and it's like, oh, come on. And a lot of it's yeah. just getting the word out. Um, yeah. Just poor or advertising or whatnot or marketing. But um, yeah. Yeah, I think it would be great to make it more of a, a spectator-friendly yeah. sport. But
0: You know uh, what? I think the I two love... – oh, go ahead. Oh,
3: good. Uh, I was going to say, I would love to do a powerlifting meet at some point also. Um, I know my bet he will probably kill me for saying that, but um, I was planning to do one in April, and I had some issues with bulging uh, discs in my neck going on at that point, so I I didn't end up doing it. But um, I, I still would love to, to do that. Because I think if you're going to coach something, it helps to have competed in it, obviously. And while I don't have any competitive power lifters at my gym at this point, I can see that happening. And I think it's just good for people to get out on the platform and see what it's oh, like uh, to have your lifts judged by, you know, other people.
2: Yeah, for sure. Let, let's talk about your facility then. So you recently opened it. Um, you got a website you can plug or anything?
3: I do. It is AshevilleStrength.com. And... Uh, we keep tweaking that. Um, we also, uh, my weightlifting club is the Asheville Barbell Club, so AshevilleBarbellClub.com is our USAW club. And, um, yeah, we are in about 1,800 square feet, and we've got four lifting platforms right now. Um, we just had our power rack bolted to the floor today, finally, so I'm really excited about that. Um You know, we've got needle-bearing bars and competition plates for weightlifting. We've got some good powerlifting bars, plenty of iron. Um, You know, we'll add as we need to, but, you know, we've got a rower and an airdyne and some other cardio stuff, And um, but we have jerk boxes, which is fabulous. I don't know many gyms around here that have those, and then one of my coaches is actually a, a lightweight strongman competitor, so... We've got the yoke and a couple prowlers and a log and all of that, and he's picking up some stones this weekend. So, you know, we are trying to do our own thing. Um, we're not really worried about what other gyms in the area are doing. My goal, I would love to have, if I could have 10 10-year-old kids come and weight lift for me, that would be my goal because I see that's the only way that we're going to grow the sport um, is by getting more kids involved. Instead of having them play soccer, why not weightlifting? Um, so we plan to get out to the schools and definitely talk to some of the high school coaches. Um, and, you know, just see where it goes. We've been in the space since June, so it's just been a little over a month. And we're excited. Uh, Rip just came out last week and gave his advice on things and maybe moved stuff around and told me get to get rid of a couple things. So... I've been fortunate that I've had some really awesome people help and advise me. I don't know why, but I'll, I'll take it if I can get it. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's what we're looking at.
2: I'm sure that was a very animated meeting, too, knowing Rip.
3: It uh, was. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I will be at his place next month. So I, I certainly plan to pick his brain again and just, you know, see how – He's got his. He's had his gym set up for a long time, so you know he doesn't have stuff there that he doesn't need. If it's there, it it, you know you need it, and that's kind of. I I know it'll take me time to get to that point. Uh, What gets used, what doesn't get used, and if it doesn't get used, get it out the door. So, still working on that.
2: (laughs) So everybody, check that out. um, AshevilleStrength.com, and we're going to take a short break, and then we'll move into the topic of the day. Hello everybody, Phil Stevens here for IronRadio.org, StrengthGuild.com, and ChadAkes.com to tell you about the Strength Refined Seminar with myself, Phil Stevens, and Chad Aix. Saturday, September 24th, 2011, CrossFit Sin City, Las Vegas, Nevada. Strength Refined is a one-day course in refining your technique and proficiency in the squat, the bench, and the deadlift. It's going to be a long day. We'll squat, we'll bench, we'll deadlift. We'll do a Q&A and then we're going to go heavy and go eat. For more information, go to www.strengthguild.com Click on the blog, go to Meet the Seminars, click on the Strength Refined Seminar and it's all there. Hope to see you there. Okay, we're back everybody. This is ironradio.org and we have our guest with us, Tamara Cohen, and we're going to go to the topic of the day now, which is um, something that Tamra's been very vocal about on various social, uh, internet media and whatnot. Um, it's the skewed perceptions in the fitness in, industry. Um, both, you know, I- internally within the cliques, I guess, in the fitness industry, the, the current views of of being over fat or even or even under strong, and and how skewed they are now in this day and age. So, um, Tamra, I know you have been kind of very outspoken on the the over-fat issue, uh, especially as it pertains to women. I'd I'd love to hear you say a few words on that.
3: Well, I kind of blame myself for a lot of this in a way. Um, Given my, I think what some people would call, uh, ability to be an attention whore, Um, when I took that first picture of myself at 175 pounds in my underwear, I was certainly never planning to show it to anyone. And then, you know, two or three months later, I'd lost 20 pounds. And I, you know, when I saw that first picture, I didn't think I looked fat. What I looked at and said was no one would ever think I was an athlete or had ever been an athlete. And so that was my motivation. It wasn't how fat I looked or I didn't look like how I looked in the mirror because of my weight. It was because I didn't look athletic. So 20 pounds after that, I I was like, wow, I'm starting to look like an athlete again. Um, And so when I took another picture um, when I was down in the 150s after that, I posted that on the Internet. I decided I didn't care and it was probably important for people to see this and that I'd been successful. and You know, little did I know that people were going to get really excited about that. So I've taken pictures the whole way, and lots of people have seen pictures of me at 133 pounds where I was just ripped with abs. And at least once a week I get a message from someone that says, how can I get abs like that? Um, Most of them not realizing that I no longer have those abs. Um, (laughs) But for me it was always about, performance first and I just thought it was really cool since I'd never done any strength training before watching how your body changes changes once you pick up a barbell was totally fascinating to me Um, and so I'm glad that I've had those pictures but then the other side of it is um, that all these people wanted to know well how do I get abs Um, and that became frustrating for me and like I said it's my own fault but I'm happy that because of that, a lot of people did pick up a barbell because, yeah. you know, even though it was because they wanted abs, um, they started strength training because of it. So, in the end, I will take that.
2: No, I agree, and I've, I've been through much of the same thing with with pictures of my my transformation over the years, and I, I agree. It's um, I think just the documentation for yourself is amazing, and seeing what yeah. What you what you can do? I mean, my I've ranged from three fifteen down to one sixty five, and now back up to well, it was recently two eighty, and then I'm finally going to do this what Lonnie calls an unveiling thing, and uh, you know see what's under there after this long unveiling. <laughs> <Yeah>. um,
0: <laughs> well, you know, I seriously, it it is sort of like you know you pull back the curtain, and yeah. it, it gives you even if you're not obsessing over leanness or something aesthetic. You could kind of say, "Oh, yeah, I can see my structure a little better now," you know, in some ways. Uh, But yeah, that's not the same thing as what we've been talking about. I like—I don't think Phil's going to be on a desperate quest to uh, bring in the old six-pack of abs for the next ten years or something like that. No,
2: and that's the—that's the thing. I mean, that's the thing that I see is the, you know, from from my days working more on the bodybuilding side of it and things like that. And it's what led me away from that end of, of purely training for aesthetics is. Um, the the general population and the message that's thrown at them about you know you see cover models you see f- figure athletes and fitness athletes and they they capture this glimpse with a, a glimpse with a with, with a photograph that lasts an eighth of a second and it's pushed to people that you should look like this year round um, right yeah. and you find all these people fighting for that image and it's you know. They don't advertise that that lady or that guy, when he's that lean, is is usually at his worst or her worst. Um, you know, you feel like hell. You're starving. You've been fighting to get down to that for for months, um, and you're waiting for that cheese and and bacon sandwich once this shoots <laughs> over <laughs> you know, so you can be fed again. And it has nothing to do with health.
0: You know or what? Phil, out of I, your performance. It's, yeah. You know, I think I disappoint people sometimes. If I come off of a diet and I say, you know, I'm having a good time putting some fat back on. I feel yeah. so much better. You know, some of the younger guys are like, they look at me confused like, what? Yeah. You know, that's terrible. Why is that terrible kid? I, I feel fantastic. My injuries are healing. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not, uh, it, but you know, I, I do think it's true though that we're talking about a couple of people here who, look at uh, physique as almost a side effect of their lifestyle, you know, and I think most people look at it the other way around. And it's like you say, Phil, about exerciser versus athlete. Or it's like what Rob has said for, oh, God, two decades about, you know, you think that guy on the cover of the muscle mag, you think he looks like that all the time? Smell the coffee, you know. It's it's so true. And that's what I don't
3: know how to fix. Because my brain thinks of it as performance first. When I was at my lightest, I was around 61 kilos. I'm 5 foot 8. There are no 5 foot 8, 61 kilo weightlifters. You can't compete in weightlifting at 5 foot 8 and 61 kilos. Mm -hmm. It's just not possible. You're gonna be a 69 or a 75. And I've lifted as a 69, I've lifted as a 75, I think I'm gonna try to go back down to 69, but under no circumstances could I be successful at 61. So, I just, when people look at it the opposite way and and think about how they want to look first, my brain has a hard time connecting with that. Don't you think you're
0: rare though? You're a rare example? I I do.
3: I really do. Um, I I, I understand that. What's frustrating to me, I think, and and this, I, I really don't know how men's brains work, but, from, from the female brain perspective, what's frustrating to me is now I know all of these women who do some sort of strength training. A, a lot of them cost it, but they lift barbells on a regular basis. And it is still, as much as they could say that they care about their performance, aesthetics still play a huge part into it. And what I'll see is someone who looks fabulous. I mean, you can look at this person and you know that they lift. Yeah. And then they're in their bikini, and they're sitting there picking apart their body. And it drives me crazy. And that's why, I mean, I I don't know if it works or not, but, you know, part of my view is that I'm just as obnoxious as I can be about certain things. And so, you know, now I'm hovering, like, just under 160 pounds, and I'll post a picture of myself in a bikini and call myself fat because I know it annoys some people, But it does make other women look and think, wow, maybe the scale isn't so important. Because I certainly do not have the best body in the world, but I think that most people wouldn't think that I weigh 160 pounds. So when I'm fine with putting myself in a bikini and taking a picture and posting it on the internet at my weight, then I think it makes women think, hmm, maybe I shouldn't care about the scale so much. I don't know. Maybe they still do. But... It just drives me crazy when I see someone who definitely looks like they train or work out or whatever they do, and they still aren't happy with what their body looks like. Well, you know what I I think is
0: interesting? If you look at, like, strength coaching or the academic side, everybody pretty much buys into this idea of periodization. You know, there are certain times a year where you're focusing on one aspect or another, and yet the general public seems to every always expect people to be in, like, you know, the conditioning and body composition kind of phase, or like a dieting phase or something, you know what I mean? Whereas, again, most of your year in any kind of mesocycle or macro cycle is going to be about strength or mass. I mean, where do they think that mass was built? It wasn't built during a diet, yeah. you know what I mean? And I don't know, people expect to see this little window instead of, What's widely accepted that you change gears, you periodize throughout, you know, months and years. Uh, of course you're going to look different when your goals are different, you know, when you're in a different mesocycle. So, I don't know. It seems kind of a, like a weird uh, contradiction, you know.
3: Well, I think that there's a disconnect between what women think their body should look like, their, like their ideal body, and what men actually like, okay? Oh. Um. I don't know, I actually have only had one man, okay, tell me that he liked my body better at 132 pounds where I completely lost my boobs and my mom was screaming at me all the time, you look like a 12-year-old boy, okay? I know one man who liked me better at that weight, okay? My husband repeatedly told me, I don't care about abs, I like boobs, okay? He's known me since I was 17, okay? And I was very thin at 17, but I still had boobs, okay? Okay. At 132 pounds when I was lifting, I had no boobs. I had nothing. I had no curves. And he told me repeatedly that that was not the look that he liked. okay? So not all men like me the best at 160 pounds, but they all like me better at 160 than at 132. Now, some of them think that I look better at 150 versus 160. But I honestly don't know any man other than that one who says, you know what, you look better when you look like a 12 year old boy.
0: You know what, um, you, you bring up a good just, point though.
3: But, but all the women are like, well you were skinny then. Why? Oh my god, you went and got fat on purpose. And are these? I'm like, but, but are these guys, are they, like are they that.
0: athletic themselves? Are these guys athletic themselves, all of them?
3: Yeah, oh yeah, for the most I mean, I, I would probably, get, I would, say that that probably applies to every guy out there in terms of how i looked when i was so ripped and lean um that they would still like me at least 10 pounds heavier than i than i was but among guys that lift certainly i don't know like a a guy who was a lifter, i cannot imagine him saying that i look better at 132 pounds there's just no way
0: but you know what what you're bringing i was also
3: squatting 160 so i mean how is that impressive
0: so you know yeah, but you know, you, you say, you're saying better, you like, that you look better, or, you know, uh, they like because you better. Because I have
3: an but ass I, and I have boobs, and I don't think that men generally, um, like abs on a woman as much as a woman thinks that she's gonna right. like abs on herself. Well, well,
0: see, that's what I was gonna say. There's two ways to look at that. One is sexually, and as far as attractiveness, and the other right. is impressed. Like, I have some fr- friends who are fitness competitors, very impressed. With their physique, but I'm not attracted right. to it. You know what I mean. So when you say better, I, I think it's good to make that kind of distinction right. on one. And on one side, it's oh, athletically, I appreciate the butt busting work that went into that. You know, it's right. almost like looking at a car that's really cool. Right. You know, well, I'm not and also, to I car. think <laughs> at this
3: weight, people would still know that I lift. I mean, you know, you can look at me and it's you would know that I lift. Yeah. So it's not it's it's the difference of me at 160 before I lifted and now. I look totally different. Um, so you still know that the person has put work into it and is an athletic body type yeah. um, versus just having gotten fat because I stopped doing anything. Yeah,
2: yeah, and I mean, I, mean, I've, I live with this. I mean, the, the reason, how I got familiar with Tamara is my, my wife stalks her openly on, on Facebook, and that, that's how we became, uh, you know, I, I got in touch with her. But, um, you know, I've lived with this the same with my wife. Um, my wife and Tamara are essentially the same build, the same weight. Um, and my wife was down to about one thirty-five, and I, I married her. And of course the power lifter comes in the house and she's gained about 25 pounds since we got married. But you know, she has a butt now. She has boobs now and she has most people saying, Oh my God, you look so much better. Um, but then internally, some of the people within the fitness industry, well, gosh, you're getting pudgy. You know, you're not lean anymore. And it's like, well, yeah, but I went from squatting 160 to I just hit 225. Yeah. You know, that doesn't mean anything, you know. Um, and, yeah. you know, then you've got the, you know, the other end we haven't even talked about. And it's, you know, within the, I think the fitness industry has just become so, so, so extreme, I guess, that, you know, even what is known as strong now uh, is, is skewed. You know, I talk to women that are benching. You know, I working with a couple of women that are benching 100 pounds now, and I'm like, that's impressive. Mm-hmm. You know, for for a female that weighs 125, 130 pounds, and they're like, no, it's not. That's horrible. It's like, no, that's pretty <laughs> damn good. <You> know, <laughs> I do
3: that with myself also. <laughs>
2: you know, it's like they're measuring themselves against everybody. Measure themselves yeah. against the the top of the top. You know, they you find yeah. that. Uh, most people like measuring themselves against the exception instead of the rule. Well, no, that's it, the worst thing you can do.
1: And I've said this before on the show and I've said it many times. Things like YouTube and stuff has, has now opened up a can of worms in this regard, Phil, because, you know, when people go on there and they want to, you know, and, and kids or young guys or whatever are looking at, you know, bench press champions and stuff, they're usually seeing, unless it's some goof in the gym that, you know, that's doing something, drops the barbell on his face, but you know they're seeing stuff like a Scott Mendelson or something, you know, benching seven hundred pounds, and you know, and, and so that's and when they keep seeing seeing these images, you know, and they're seeing these freaks benching four or five for like ten or fifteen, or you know, they start they start measuring themselves against that, and yeah. again, like what you're saying, they they don't realize that, you know, that that is an exception. That is that yeah. is not you know the I mean you know in all the years that combined, all of us have spent in gyms. I mean, really, how many times? And I'm not talking about it in a meet or competition or. You know, I'm talking about some, just some guy in the gym, and again, using the bench press. How many guys have you seen, like, bench press 500 pounds? You know, like, uh, you know, raw, in the gym, for a good rep with nobody's hands on the bar. You know, and like I say, I hasten to say that, you know, certainly amongst Phil, Lonnie, and myself, we've been in some pretty hardcore gyms for the last 20, 25 years. Um, and I can count on base, I can count on one hand the guys that I've seen do that. You know, but again, I mean, if you, if you listen to a lot of what these guys are talking about, it's, it, you'd think that every second guy does that, yeah. you know, um, and people just throw it out like people a thread I saw the other day, somebody was talking about you know um do you think somebody said that Lou Fregno could bench five sixty when he was at his peak, and I was like well there's there's no way in hell he could, yeah. and people are like, well, that's not heavy for a guy that big, he was huge, he was like, you know three hundred pounds, I'm like five <laughs> like sixty heavy for necklace. anybody, like like <sighs> It's And this is what I'm saying, but the thread went on for like several pages of people like arguing and saying, but did you see how big his chest was? I'm like, did you see how big Arnold's chest was? And Arnold never benched, you know, anything probably more than 450, you know, look at Lee Haney's chest, you know, Lee Haney never benched more than probably four or five for several reps. I mean, but people get this weird idea. It's like, oh, well, you know, 500 is nothing today. I'm like, that's a ridiculous comment. You know, I mean, especially when you're looking at a day and age where people are using equipment that... Even the single poly stuff now is giving guys 100, 120 pounds on their bench, you know? So, woman. you know, it, yeah. it it completely throws people off. I and mean, people don't know what they're talking about anymore because they, they've they lost touch with reality, which is not necessarily their fault. But, you know, like you said, it's like a woman pushing 100 pounds. Yeah, that's damn good, man. Yeah. Do you find a woman who can press like, you know, 185, 200 pounds on the bench press, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, that really is awesome. That's like a guy benching, you know, 400, 450 pounds. No, that's very really impressive,
2: and I think that the hard part is that you know I get misconstrued sometimes by people to, to think that you know I then you're just wanting me to accept average. No, I'm anything but that. You know, I always shoot for the extremes. I'm never happy with what I do totally, but I'm I'm very happy with what I've done and where I've come. I'm very pleased at the process and and every step I've taken. Sure, I want more, but you know. You know, the minute I hit 750, I wanted 8. And I know if I hit 8, I'm going to want 810. But, you know, but I'm pleased the whole time just by another 5 pounds. And I, I can look at myself in the mirror and say, yeah, you know, I'm carrying a few pounds, but I don't care. I look damn good. You know, and you got so many people constantly. There's a difference between, you know, wanting to strive for more and stressing over more. And there's so many people that just... You know, they, they stress over diet, they stress over training to where it's not enjoyable. You know, they're not having fun. It's just a huge stressor on their life. And it, it's not worth it. You know, you can't constantly measure yourself against everybody else. You got you gotta measure yourself against you and say, hey, you know, look at me. I'm, I'm five pounds stronger than the old me. And I'm damn proud of it. You know, I, I don't care that, you know, I think it's impressive that, uh, God, I can't pull up his name right now. deadlifted 1,015 pounds. And I'd love to do it one day, but, You know, I'm damn proud of my 780, (laughs) you know. Oh, yeah, totally.
3: uh. Well, other than my pictures, the best thing that I did was start a training log. And I've had an online training log since June of 2009. And every time I start getting frustrated with lack of progress, I just go back and read that. Um, I mean, I spent months trying to get, I didn't have a full push-up. I could not do a push-up from my toes when I started. And I kicked and screamed and cried about that. And then I got one and I couldn't get two in a row. And I remember my husband telling me that I was crazy because the kids were asleep and I was on the floor in front of the TV while we were watching TV trying to get two push-ups in a row and like, you know, basically ready to throw something through the television because I couldn't do that. Um, you know, and then after I had push-ups, I wanted a pull-up. And so now I can look back at that and laugh because, you know, my first goal was to put 100 pounds over my head. I never, ever thought that I would be able to put 100 pounds over my head. And, you yeah, I remember, like, jerking and, like, hitting 75 pounds and thinking there's no way that I'll ever be able to jerk 100 pounds. And now I can shoulder press over 100 pounds. Yeah. so you know, it's like, you know, know, (laughs) perspective, Okay, (laughs) you know, it's like my first deadlift was like 170 pounds and I just pulled 280 the other day. So, yeah, I'm pissed off because I don't have 300 yet because I really would like to deadlift 300 pounds, but I've added, you know, 110 pounds to my deadlift, so I really can't complain about that too much. But if I didn't have that training log to, like, look back and laugh at some of the things that I've done, then... I, I don't know if I would find it
2: as amusing. <laughs> Wouldn't you, would, would you say that most people, I think they just get too caught up and, you know, they've got point A and then their goal is point B and that's all they see. They don't find anything, they don't look at anything in the middle. You know, they don't look at that progress and they don't enjoy the ride. I mean, you know, you're talking about, you know, the day you hit the first push up, it was like, great. And now you wanted two. Yeah. I mean, it's finding, it's, it's finding a way to realize that, hey, this
3: is, I can have fun along the way
2: and enjoy the little steps, you know, which
3: is... Well, um, I think that's maybe if people do like me, that's one of the reasons that they do, is that everything that I think I kind of put out there. So if I have a crappy training day, everyone knows about it. If I have a great training day, everyone knows about it. And, And I did get into a funk. I mean, I was ready to drop Masters p and and not even compete. I mean, I had multiple training sessions where I sobbed through the whole training session because I didn't want to compete. I didn't feel like I was making any progress at all. Um, but I knew I would regret it if I dropped out of the meet. Um, and then I just, you know, I decided this is not fun right now, and why am I lifting if it's not fun? And I turned around and, like, ended up having, like, the best training sessions just because I decided I was going to have fun. You know, it didn't really matter what I lifted, but I'm not going to sit here and cry through another training session because then why am I doing this? I mean, as much as I would love to qualify for the Olympic team, it's not ever going to happen. So, I mean, really, I'm a master's weightlifter. Like, (laughs) the the end goal is, is not that point. So I might as well have a good time doing it. So. I've had much much better training sessions since
1: then. Yeah, I I think sometimes um, you know when you're a really serious athlete and very very focused on you know your goal, um, it's very easy to be over pressurized over a period of time um, towards. And Phil and I actually talked about this a couple weeks ago before the show. um, Overly stressed, and you might not even recognize it because you're always going in the gym to hit something specifically or do you know achieve something specifically. and like you say, like sometimes you just go in the gym and you think, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to go train today. I'm just going to get back to a point where I'm not expecting anything. I'm just going to have fun. And interestingly yeah. enough, some of those days turn out to be your strongest days. You do things and you're like, yeah. wow, I was really strong today. It's like, well, do you ever think of maybe it had to do with the fact that when you went to the gym, you were, you know, there was a lightness of being when you were driving to the gym. Yeah. You know, you weren't weighed down and bogged down, you know, with the whole idea of, I got to hit this, I got to hit this, I got to hit this. You just went and you had fun. You know, and and if you do, if you do enjoy it, which I always tell people, if you don't enjoy it, no, you won't last. But if you do truly do enjoy it, sometimes, like I say, those days you go and you're just you're like, wow, man, I performed like a Superman or a Superwoman today, you know, and maybe it had something to do with that.
2: And I think, yeah, I, I agree, and I think that's the biggest thing people need to reach. They need to. Too many people just. I guess we can go back to that exerciser versus athlete mentality. Too many people look at it as as something negative as as something they have to do instead of, damn, I want to do this. You know, I want to go in and have fun and pick up something friggin' heavy uh, <laughs> and not worry about, you know, there's got to be a, an inkling of not caring if you made progress. There has to be something just about the process that's fun. Yeah. You know, it's damn fun to go in there and pick up, you know, if I want to pick up 7.25 today but I only pick up 7, hey, that was still fun, man. My eyes about popped out of my head.
3: Woo! <laughs> you know, it's... I think, like, the whole being happy with what you're doing, for me, that ties back into the body image piece. Um, Like, my coach always tells me, it's like, at some point, you have to decide, screw what everyone else says about me, because I like myself. So, I kind of feel like a lot of, I would like to see more women get to that point, that... um, some of the feelings that they have about how they look and how they judge themselves, If you whether you have a number on the scale where you're like, I will be perfect at 135 pounds or I will be perfect when I have a 25-inch waist, whatever that is, if you're so focused on that, even when you get there, most people aren't going to be happy. So at some point, you just have to decide that it doesn't matter because you like yourself enough anyway. Um, And, I mean, that's kind of... Where I am right now in my life. I mean, I like when everyone likes me and I generally like everyone, but you know, if someone thinks that I'm fat, it doesn't bother me. I like myself just how I am and I feel like if more people could get to that point, then we would solve some of these body image issues. I
0: just don't know how to do that. People have self-images, you know, and I think one of the things that allows you to do that is you can say, well, You know, I might not be super lean, but I don't value that as much because, you know, I'm damn strong. You have something else to say you're good at. You know what I mean? So it becomes less of a, the the body fat becomes less of a value tag, as it were, because you're good at something else. You're, you're strong. You know, or you look athletic. You like the structure. You know, there's something there you like. And I think it's important for people to find something they, they like, uh, you know, other than, you know, a woman who's in the low teens percent body fat or something like that.
2: I don't know, maybe it's easier for a person that's come from, you know, the overweight to underweight to back up type of thing because you've kind of lived through it and you realize, hey, you know, when I was 315 and when I was 165 and when I'm 280, it's I'm, I'm, I'm still me.
0: I think you that's know? a good point. Yeah.
2: No, I'm still the same freaking person.
0: But you've been there. I mean, you I know? tell
3: people how awesome I am all the time. so exactly. you think by now they would all know it, but, you know.
0: Exactly. I do
3: a lot of things that are tongue-in-cheek, but I, I think that if other people just have that attitude, maybe they... But have yeah, for fun. I, I mean, that, if I'm not happy, then I don't see the point. So you might as well be happy.
2: Yeah, it's I don't know. Maybe it's a point of maturity and a point of just relaxing. I don't know. Maybe it comes with age. Um,
0: I think it may also be like the unattainable. Like once you're very lean, you're like okay, so that's what it's like. Yeah. And you know, maybe some people haven't been very lean before, or you know, maybe you've, you're very strong. I mean, you know, Phil, you and Rob are strong as hell, and. You know, some people don't know what that's like. They don't know how empowering that is, you know. So, yeah, experiencing these different kinds of physical states, I think, does give you perspective this, that a lot of people just don't have. You know, to them, it's just a complete pie-in-the-sky, you know, mystery kind of, something that they want badly, but they don't they don't really understand, yeah. you know.
1: Yeah, well, it, it's just like, you know, the other day I was talking to this young woman in the gym and, you know, just... I befriend her a little bit and she's like, oh yeah, how's your training going? Oh, it's okay, it's okay. And well, what's wrong? Well, well, you know, I just, I'd like to lose another five pounds. Now, if you saw this woman, I mean, that's the most absurd thing you've ever seen. She's, she's a very petite girl anyway. She looks wonderful. I said, well, that's kind of a wishy-washy thing. I said, you know, not to, you know, crash down on your goals, but. You know, you're missing the point. Why don't you, why don't you have some sort of goal when you come in the gym, right? Whether it be a cardiovascular goal or a strength goal or, and she looked totally confused when I said about the strength goal. I said, you know, choose a, two or three lifts and try and better them over the next six months, you know, and she looked at me so confused and befuddled like, oh, well, why would I want to do that? And I, it, it's, it's like, well, yeah, well, the, because then you can set a benchmark and you can kind of see something progressing. I mean, just to say, well, I'd like to lose two pounds, three pounds. What, what does that mean? You know, like, where do, you, where do you go from there? Where's where the, where's the, where does the passion, you know, where,
0: where does, where does this stay ignited, you know, in, I, you know what, Rob, I think that's sort of full circled what we were saying before is that by focusing on competition, you know, I think a lot of people, because they have unrealistic expectations, whether it's because, like you said, they're watching fitness, uh, competitors that are, you know, using clenbuterol or thyroid or something or just doing extreme dieting or, you know, unhealthy in some way or, uh, but they think, Oh, I, I don't, I'm not good enough to compete, you know, and I think that's why it was kind of nice. Several weeks ago, we had, I think John Mike was talking about, hey, listen, here's a ballpark, at least for guys to go compete, you know, in powerlifting, you know, and it wasn't a 560 pound bench press. He was talking about if you can bench, you know, 225, if you can squat 315 and pull 405, you're strong enough, you're not going to embarrass yourself, go have fun. You're an amateur, have fun with it, better yourself. And I think that's where a lot of this sort of comes full circle is, you know, people like Phil was saying, pick a goal. But like everybody I think here has been saying is maybe competition can be part of that goal. It will get you back focused on something healthy. And, you know, then a year later, you might just look down and see the body that maybe you wanted in a mistaken way before. You know, it's going to be a side effect of of what you're doing because you gave yourself permission to do a competition you know it's okay to be an amateur you got to start somewhere well
1: isn't that the common thing here in bodybuilding like you know you talk to the you know any number of gym rats in any gym all over the world and you know oh yeah you're gonna compete You ever gonna compete oh yeah i'm thinking you know next next year and i mean and i know what it's like because it's so easy to be that way right well i'm not ready i'm not ready i'm not ready and you're never ready really because you know you always have in your mind the standard you know um, no matter who you are, or what you want to lift, you know. Yeah, I like high
0: standards, right? Yeah. High oh, standards, yeah, me too, are just, of
1: course. But like, I, yeah. I agree with what you're saying, though, because ultimately, high standards are never achieved unless you, you know, uh, ch- choose the pathway to get there. And, and for a lot of people, and it, and it happens obviously a lot of the time, is once you actually put your foot in the arena, whatever it is, that's just a huge, um, you know, um, motivation to move. More towards that higher standard, and it's
0: character development at the same time. I think the problem is the media, whether it's fitness media like magazines and websites, or even the general media, they put forward the horizon, you know. And when a woman or a man looks at himself, they're they're given the horizon, not one foot in front of the other, not each step toward that horizon, you know. They've got to think about that because focusing on the end with and not giving much credence to what you're doing today or this month. You know, or these next three months or six months in sort of a meso cycle, that's what you got to focus on. And you know, maybe your goal is just to get yourself in a a, a you know, competition worthy state. You know, not necessarily to win, but just to try your first competition. My God, that's a huge personal record. Yeah. That you know, if if, if nothing else for your strength for your character, you know, that you had the courage to do that. I, I don't. Well, that's so- the goal I'm
3: trying with my you know, with my lifters. But- Some of the girls are going to go next weekend and snatch 25 kilos, clean and jerk 35 kilos, you know, and they're like, are we going to embarrass ourselves? No, you know, you've been working towards this, and some people, no matter how much they lift, will never have the balls to step out on the platform in front of three referees and do that. It's not easy. And, you know, my first competition that I ever did was a CrossFit competition, and I went in, and I've been doing CrossFit for like six months. And there were, you know, 45 deadlifts at 155 pounds. You know, here's when I have a one-rep deadlift of 170 pounds. And I could have gone in and scaled it and told them to put 100 pounds on the bar. Um, my three-rep max was, like, 150. And I basically, like, told them to keep 155 on the bar. And I ended up pulling, like, 30 of 45 reps before I timed out. Like, all the singles. Like, I got my butt kicked. You know, but I didn't ask them to do anything special for me. Yeah. You know, it was the same thing with the other, the, you, it was like clip and jerks of 95 pounds overhead, 10 minute max for reps. I, I'd never put 95 pounds over my head more than once before then, and I did it like 27 times. Yeah. So again, the top person did it about 90, but then I so I, you know I was like wow I went and I actually did the weights that were prescribed in that competition never had I ever done a crossfit workout with the prescribed weight on the bar so not only did I do that I did that in front of other people with someone judging me yeah. Wow that's cool let me go back to the gym and not have a hundred and seventy pound bedlift anymore yeah. that would be helpful for the next time that I compete um, and, you know it it's not like anyone said, oh, my God, look at that person because she could only do 30 deadlifts at 155 pounds. No, you know, you're there, everyone's cheering for you, and, you know, they realize that some people have been doing this for six months and some people have been doing it for six years. So right. that's really the goal for my lifters and also in terms of growing the sport is you. if people don't see people weightlifting, then they don't even know what it is. I mean, my mom still asks me what lifts I do at me. Okay, mom, it's the same every time, (laughs) snatch and clean and jerk. Okay, it doesn't change. But we don't see weightlifting on television all the time. So, you know, I don't care. If I end up having a team of 20 people who never snatch and clean and jerk more than 25 or 35 kilos, that's okay as adults because most of those people have kids, and then their kids know what it is, and then their kids get involved in the sport, and then those are the kids that we can look, okay, 10, 15 years down the road, Here are our next Olympic athletes who got involved in it because their mom went out on the platform and snatched 25 kilos in front of a bunch of people. I mean, that's why my six-year-old lifts, because she saw me lift at a meet, and at that meet there were, like, two girls who were probably 7 and 10 years old lifting. And she was like, oh, my God, kids can do this, too. And so she's going to do the the meet next weekend. Um, But, you know, if you don't have people out there doing that, then no one knows what the sport is. I mean, Lord knows no one here cares about weightlifting, so... (laughs) I would like for that to change. It would be awesome.
2: And internally within the sports, I mean, people are always worried about it. Well, won't the other lifters? Hell no, the other lifters won't make fun of you. You know, you're going to be nothing, but you come in there and do your best, and you're going to find nothing but the most supportive atmosphere of people ever. Because we don't
3: get that with other sports. (laughs) That's what I don't get is when I played soccer, no one who was on that rec team that lost every game worried about that. And no one worried about that coach saying, oh, he doesn't know how to coach. We have, like, all of these other sports have a huge developmental and recreational side of things going on. And there isn't a, you have to be good enough or you have to be a certain, at a certain level to play. No. Everyone can play. Well, you know, that's why there's millions of kids playing soccer in the United States every year, and USAW has like 7,000 members in the whole country. Not all of whom even lift. So, You know, as soon as we can get to that point, where okay, well, everyone can weightlift, everyone can be a powerlifter. It doesn't have to be that you're so good to do it. Mm -hmm. Then all of a sudden, you get more people excited about it. I
0: I would I would guess that the first competition that people do in powerlifting or Olympic lifting or whatever, the goal, more times than not, should be simply. To do it, yeah. you know, oh, that's yeah. your that's your goal. You don't have to go in and say I'm in this for first place or, <laughs> you know, I mean that or certainly that I'm in this to, you know, make some kind of national record. That's that's folly. Right. You're, that's not your goal in your first competition. That's why I like the idea of tell yourself, listen, I'm going to look at this like a warm up contest. You know, this is to get my feet wet. I'm going to be proud of myself. I've got the guts to do this. You know what I mean? And you just go get some experience. That's your goal, not necessarily to buy for first or second. I don't. I don't want to sound like a loser, but let's be honest. One, no. is one foot no, but, in front no, of the but, other.
1: No, but what yeah. you're saying is not. It doesn't come across like that to anybody who's an athlete. That doesn't come across as a loser. Like, no, not at all. I mean, and I was thinking back to how how we were talking like half an hour ago or so. The whole concept of. You know, you have standards, but you don't want to. If you're an athlete, you don't want to uh, relax and not, you know, push to greater heights. But you also have to have this thing. It's a balancing act, right? Because um, in the moment, I always tell people, like at the gym and stuff, always be proud of what you do at the moment, but don't be satisfied. Yeah. You know, and that's the. I think that's the difference, right? Yeah. It's just, just because you're, um, like Phil was saying, you're proud of yourself and you're, you know, happy with what you've achieved at that point in time and stuff doesn't mean that you're satisfied for not pushing ahead. You know, it's not, it's not a loser mentality to say, Hey, you know what? I'm happy with what I'm doing right now because that doesn't say, you know, but you know, I don't want to do more, you know, tomorrow next week, uh, next month, next year. Cause I always say that when I leave the gym, I'm always like, you know what? I'm happy with what I've done today. And I'm, I'm proud of myself. doesn't mean I'm satisfied. Yeah. You know, right.
2: Yeah. Right. Totally different. Tamara, thanks for joining us.
3: Thanks so much for having
2: me. A lot of fun. Yeah. Um, for fun. Everybody, let's 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 check her her sites out. Um, AshevilleStrength dot Everybody needs to go up and check out the North Carolina weightlifting meet. Um, dunk her in a tank and drink a few beers while you're at it. There you
0: go. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> and you know maybe uh, help spread the the word of, of Olympic weightlifting and generally just uh, lifting for women. You know that's a big one in and of itself. Yeah. I'd say. Yeah. So. Cool. Until next week, it's been fun.
0: Thanks, guys.
3: Thanks.
0: Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding, um, please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org uh, store. Uh, we also are accepting supporting members so for four dollars a month which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community the iron radio podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only if you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program it's important to check with your physician also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.